Help your four-year-old find joy in learning. Waterford Upstart is a proven effective pre-K learning program that includes fun songs, games, and activities that prepare your child for success in school. We provide all the tools you need to help your child learn to read, including a coach, a computer, and internet access. And because it's already paid for, it's free for you. Enroll today at waterfordupstart.org. In the heat of the moment, you're not just keeping it calm, you're keeping it cool too. With an ice cold cold brew, and not just any cold brew, but one that's slow steeped and mixed with brown sugar and molasses flavor. With a cold foam infused with brown sugar coolness and a cinnamon sugar sprinkle on top. That's keeping it calm, cool, and cold brewed. With Dunkin's new brown sugar cream cold brew, America runs on Dunkin. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Hello there and welcome to another episode of This Week in History with me, your host, Dan the Viking. Now we're going to start off with a little bit of housekeeping like we do every week. And just a quick one this week, there's not too many notes for you guys today. Thank you everybody for playing along. This week, I think possibly one of the easiest pictures available and for especially the American viewers... Viewers, keep I say viewers every week. You're not viewers, you're listeners. One day maybe we'll do a YouTube channel, but right now we're sticking to audio. So to all you American listeners, I think this is something you pretty much know. Some of you guys may even have lived through this or at least know enough about it. Um, I'm hoping nobody in my um, listening uh, audience is is too tied closely to this episode in the sense that they may possibly know somebody um, from the what was called the People's Temple. Um, so this episode is on a man named Jim Jones and it is also about a cult called the People's Temple. Now this is a very very disturbing episode. There are um, some very weird things in this episode there are um this 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 episode talks about things like um suicide or mass suicide depending on whether you call it suicide or murder depending on how you look at it i suppose actually a murder suicide would probably be the best way to describe it um and that actually kind of makes more sense as well so uh see here's me making up my own stuff as i go along this is probably how i do most of my podcasts to be honest guys um, but we shall start with the man named James Warren Jones, or more commonly known as Jim Jones. Now, Jim Jones was born in May uh, 1931, so he lived through the First World uh, First, got to do this every time. He lived through the Second World War as a young man, and he grew up in America. Uh, pretty much hit his adulthood in the sort of the the 50s, going into the 60s. Now, the 1950s was when he started a thing called the People's Temple in the 1950s. Now, this was a start 
and it progressed uh, quite rapidly over the next 10 years. And it progressed to such a point in the 1960s, he really hit his stride. And people were flocking from all over to see him. Now, he was very charismatic. Um, he was very... I would say he was very different to a normal preacher. He he tended to show quite a lot of empathy. He was very good with a crowd. He was a very good... You know, he seemed like a very good preacher. Very well-trusted person. And he used a thing uh, which we're seeing quite regularly today. But he used socialism as a way to try and get people on his side. Now, bearing in mind America in the 1960s had just come out of the Vietnam War. Um, there was a lot of civil rights movements going on. America was in, uh, well, it was in a hotbed, a very, very dangerous place to be. Um, you know, And to see someone who was coming up with the ideal side of socialism. Now, I... I don't give, I've said this a million and one times, I don't tend to give political opinions on this. I do have my own opinion on socialism. Um, I think the same as many political ideals, there are good points and bad points. Jim Jones, in this instance, would only focus on the good points of socialism. Now, when a country is fired up, and in such a state as America was in the 1960s, um, and it and it really was, guys. I mean, for those of you, I know some of my listeners will have lived through this. Uh, you will have lived through the civil rights marches. You will have lived through the police brutality. You will have lived through American troops coming home and being spat on because the young men were sent to war and things like that. The, America was a really not a good place to be in the 1960s so to hear somebody come in who is very charismatic who draws in a big crowd who talks about christian redemption and how making things right with god can redeem your soul and blah 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 and all all the other things that he used to come out with and then adding in a few socialist ideals that on the face of it seem really really good you can understand why people were flocking to see him and why people from all ages, all ethnicities as well. This isn't um, a man who focused um, on on one genre of, of people or one gender. Um, it was men and women and, you know, f- uh, from every race. He, he, he really sort of focused on, on anybody. Um, and this sort of made his church a little bit different as well because in the 1960s you've got to remember America was still quite a racist country Um, there was still a bit of division in there although segregation had obviously almost finished uh, or or was at least on its way out um, there there was still the the ideals there were still people clinging to the old ways Um, very much as as there are people clinging on to the old ways uh, for everything, you know. Um, but America was there were were people clinging on to the old ways. I've got to be so careful saying stuff like this right now because I know how much of a hotbed this subject still is, which is mental that we're talking sixty years later and it's still such a poignant subject. Really, it should have it should not even be an issue anymore. But <clears throat> anyway, there we are. Um, but that that's the situation America was in. So when you find, and you look back through history, 
anything in history, people take advantage of chaos, and it's always happened. As soon as there's chaos, you will see something happen that changes the dynamic of the country. Be that from the Communist Party getting in in Russia, to Hitler in Germany, uh, to uh, Brexit, to even to go as far as Donald Trump. Um, you know, that was a complete shock. And I'm not going to say positives or negatives about Donald Trump, but the fact of the matter is, this is a man with no political background, and he got into, let's be honest, the number one job in the world. And that was, a lot of that was down to a protest vote. You know, a lot of this was, and this is the same with Brexit. I mean, most people in this country, uh, the majority of people in this country, voted for Brexit. Um, a lot of people did it on a protest. You know, it was purely a protest vote. And that is because there were, um, there was unrest in the country. And that's the same with, with a lot of uh, things that happen politically. There is unrest and people take advantage of that. Whether that to be positive or negative, um, there are positives and negatives for everything. Um, and before anyone jumps down my throat, I'm not suggesting Hitler was positive or Stalin was positive. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when people take advantage, they can either do good or they can do bad. But they take advantage of a situation. And Jim Jones was exactly the same. He took advantage of a broken society in America. As his congregation grew, Jim Jones took steps to cement people into it. So he would do, and I put it in quotations, he did like healings um, and things like that, perform miracles, etc., etc. Now, one of the most famous clips, and you can still see it on YouTube, is... Um, a woman with a supposed broken leg that he would heal, they'd cut the cast off and she'd run around the church. And people believed that he healed her. Now, this is a common thing that goes around. Um, I personally have never seen anything like this, but I am aware that it happens, I believe, still in America. There are like traveling churches and things like that, but, um, yeah, it's not something I've ever seen, but I can imagine if you believe in the man, how powerful something like that can actually be. And he used that to his advantage. He used that style of propaganda um, to gain more and more followers to the point he actually called himself the prophet um, because he really did believe. I think he actually believed in his own lie. Um, and you see this a lot. Uh, with people, not just in history, but uh, but with people in general, that they lie that much that they actually believe their own lie, and they forget what the truth is. And I think Jim Jones was one of these people where he just lied that much that he believed it himself, and he believed he was the prophet and he was the savior of these people. Now, Jim's followers were so devoted to the point that a lot of them actually handed over their weekly paychecks or signed their uh, possessions or properties over to the people's temple to help fund it um you know he had so much income i don't even think he knew what to do with it he had so much coming in from the people because they believed him and because they really bought into it now the people's temple did suffer a uh, a setback and that was two uh, two temple members who had left uh, went to the papers describing Jim Jones as basically a sexual predator and how he would abuse the followers or the congregation. 
um, how he would uh, threaten uh, threaten them to the point where they they gave him the money, things like that. So it started to shed a little bit of a bad light on it, and it it probably forced the American people, the American population, to look a little bit more closely at Jim Jones and the People's Temple, especially to the point that I think the government started to look into him um, purely on the basis that he had that many followers. There were so many people um, that were following him. They sort of thought, well, is there something more to this or is this guy, um, is he is is he committing fraud or, or, or so on and so forth? But I don't think at any point people thought this was going to end the way it ended. Now, the People's Temple... Uh, moved all over the country um, but they settled in San Francisco in California and they were under so much scrutiny when they in California because let's be honest if you're going to do anything in America and you want it to be big you do it in one of the corners and by that I mean you go to New York Miami California or Texas though to me when I look at America I see that as the four corners of America uh, you know, correct. I know they're not the direct corners. I suppose Miami is, but I know they're not the direct corners. But when I look at America, to me, they're the four biggest areas in America, and you're gonna do, you're gonna make something of yourself if you can make it in one of those places. That's where you're gonna make it, and that's what Jim Jones did. He moved to California, and that's where his temple grew. Now the problem with this is in 1977. So this you got to remember, he started this temple in 1950s. This is 27 years after he started, when it started to unravel a little bit. So he did what he thought was best, and that was to move him and all of his congregation to their own little paradise. And what he did is he got them all on coaches and buses. And they drove from America, from North America, from the United States, all the way to Guyana in South America. And when they got to Guyana, they basically went into the middle of the jungle, uh, cleared a big flat bit of land, 150 miles from the capital. The capital of Guyana is a place called Georgetown. They set up their own little town for him and all these uh, followers. Now it was roughly somewhere between 900 and 1,000 went and they all travelled to Guyana and they named their new little paradise Jonestown after Jim Jones. Now at first there wasn't the full 900 to 1,000. This was towards the end. Um, But what was happening in the States was the die-hard fans, let's say, they went with him right from the start. They went with him they created this paradise. And the more scrutiny Jim Jones was getting in America, the more these temple members... Because let's be honest, a lot of these temple members were that devoted to Jim Jones. They didn't know what to do. So they ended up leaving and going to to Jonestown as well. And that's where the numbers in Jonestown just slowly started to rise to the point where they had nearly a 1,000 people at this uh, settlement or this... uh, they called it a paradise and you know let's be honest as much as i understand that it's well it definitely wasn't a paradise but i do understand the appeal of just getting up and disappearing um 
especially right now this isn't a, a world I particularly want to be living in right now it's not a very nice place um, I think if I could just get up and disappear with sort of three or four hundred people and create our own little paradise somewhere I think I'd be quite happy with that at the moment um, anybody want to join me <laughs> drop drop me a message we'll uh, we'll find our own little paradise I'll bring my family you bring yours we'll disappear um, start our own little government but this is what I mean that the, I, you can understand the appeal of it and like I said especially right now with all the shit that's going on in the world right now um, I can understand I can understand the appeal of just getting up and just going um, and I'm sure there are people on here who, who agree with me um, so yeah I know, I know I'm not alone there might be people who go you're a fucking idiot Dan but I know there are people on here who will agree with me on that point anyway back to the story um, so they've set up this little home away from home in Guyana and temple members are flocking to there just to to be part of this community that they were part of in California. The problem is, and this is eyewitness testimony to back this up, they had a lot of problems in the community that was there. And the people who were there, a lot of them actually felt trapped. Now, this was because... A lot of the temple members were armed, I suppose the ones who were very close to Jim Jones, the ones who were uh, security, I suppose, security detail or bodyguards or whatever, they were armed and they used to have a tannoy system in the camp where Jim could speak to everybody in the town at the same time, very much like a high school in America where the principal flicks a switch and can talk to everybody. Uh, we don't actually have that in British schools, by the way. Just a little side fact, we don't have that. Um, so what he would do, and he would do it regularly, on a regular basis, they had a code called White Knight. Now, this was an air raid siren, similar to what you would have heard in the Second World War in London. An air raid siren followed by Jim Jones saying, White Knight, White Knight, White Knight over the tannoy. This was meant to mean there was an emergency. And the people were to get out of bed and go to the main pavilion or the main area and congregate there. And there was a message for everyone. Now he would do this regularly in the middle of the nights, And the armed guards would also be there. And one temple member said that the guns were never pointed outwards. So they were never there to protect people. They were there to keep them in. Um... And this was the the problem. You know, people were starting to feel trapped. There was no way of getting out of this. Um, and when he would call people into the middle of the night, he they used to do, like, dummy runs for suicide. So he would say to people, he would give them a drink and say, um, are you with me? And this drink will kill you. It's got poison in it. Um, if I asked you to drink it, would you drink it? And they all went, yeah, yeah, of course I would, Jim. Yeah, of course I would. And he went, well, drink it then. And then obviously they'd drink it, and it wasn't poison. But he did it to a point that people started to follow. You know, they started to do everything he said. Because he was, he had that, he'd buried himself into people's minds. He put that fear into people. 
there were reports of people who tried to escape and were caught and when they were caught they were beaten so badly and punished so severely to the point that it terrified them the thought of escaping again would it terrified them um now i do believe that some people didn't get this side of it i do believe some of the people that were there uh, genuinely thought it was a paradise and genuinely loved being there but i think the vast majority of people were starting to realize now that they probably weren't going to get out of jonestown alive um it was quite a scary situation and there was nothing they could do about it because they were devoted to jim jones there were enough people there who were devoted to the point that they would stop them from leaving um and you know if you even spoke about leaving or or disappearing and someone overheard you then you would have been reported and then punished for that as well so he had he almost turned it into a prison it was basically a prison and the vast majority of people were starting to come around to realizing that actually maybe the papers were right maybe jim jones isn't this hero but hey what are we going to do about it you know we might as well just you know he's not going to kill us all there's a thousand of us he's not going to kill us all so we might as well just enjoy our time here um you know even if you were scared out of your mind i suppose you would bide your time until the perfect time to escape really and you know it was it must have been a terrifying thought for these people that were trapped in this community there was a silver lining to this and that was that the u.s government started to take note of this and in november november the 14th 1977 they sent a u.s congressman called leo j ryan his aide was called jackie spear she was with him uh, so were 14 members of family members of people who were at the temple who were at jonestown and also a reporter for nbc his name was don harris also a newspaper reporter called tim wright Reiterman, Reiterman, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but he was a journalist from the San Francisco Examiner, so he was also there as well. So they sent a few people out and they were investigating the claims of abuse by Jim Jones. Now, Jim saw this as a direct threat. These people were coming here to tear him down, to to basically to undermine everything that he's done he saw it as a direct threat to the people's temple and their existence the congressman told the family members on the plane that he would bring their loved ones home should they wish to come back so basically the u.s government had turned around and gone look if people are being held there without without their will we'll bring them home there's no two ways about it we will bring them home and that was the plan now when you look at where these guys were staying when you look at the lifestyle they had to have in the jungle they had no access to the outside world whatsoever there were no tvs there was no telephone there was no communication with anybody 
Um, they didn't know what was going on other than what Jim Jones would tell them. Now, Jim had a radio. Um, he would also send a few people every now and again into Georgetown um, to to get supplies and things like that. These these guys, they, they lived off three meals a day of basically rice. Well, that was pretty much all they had was rice. Um, it was it was anything but a paradise um but he you know jim tried to make it as as good as he could for them um he had a 19 year old son uh, who was permitted to start a basketball team where they would try and uh, play basketball with some of the local teams in georgetown um you know there were there were activities he tried to make it as as good as he could i suppose in a way to make sure there wasn't a huge uprising because let's be honest a thousand against the handful of people that he had there to protect him if there was a huge uprising then obviously uh, they didn't really stand a chance so he he it was a a classic case of give them a little bit but not too much so they're grateful for what they've got that's uh, the old classic uh, political move that has worked so well for so many years for pretty much every political party in this country and I'm assuming around the rest of the world as well um so yeah it's uh it worked you know people were disenfranchised by it and they weren't overly happy about it but you know they they just knuckled under and got on with it now luckily for Stephen Jones and the rest of the basketball team they were actually permitted to play against the Guyanese national team uh, and they had to leave Jonestown on the 14th of November so just as the congressman was landing in Guyana uh, the these basketball players got to disappear from Jonestown um, and and play basketball so essentially that kind of saved their life now, when the congressman landed and the family got off board the plane, the People's Temple uh, sent some representatives to greet them at the airport and to put them up in a hotel in Georgetown. Now, this hotel was guarded by the temple members. So the actual members there made sure that the family members staying in this hotel weren't going to cause any problems and again this is another way of just controlling the people now one of the main reasons the temple was keeping them in georgetown was to try and convince them that they didn't need to enter jonestown that they could send delegates to them and they could talk to them and they could try and convince them but without actually letting them in now your question why what's the big deal but i think the point was to make sure if they entered into jonestown um they could segregate people and and talk to people privately and so on and so forth whereas if jim jones has full control over who he sends to talk to the congressman and the newspapers and um and so on and when they're there they're also being watched by these higher members of the temple who pretty much they wouldn't have said anything in front of at least that way jim has a little bit more control over the situation and um, the problem is they didn't want to just stay in a hotel 
the congressman and the newspapers and, and the families, they wanted to get in. They wanted to get into Jonestown and they wanted to see what was going on. And the next day, the congressman went to the headquarters slash hotel uh, where the temple members were. Uh, obviously, he didn't actually stay in that hotel. He's a congressman. Um, he was probably staying somewhere a little bit, a little bit more upper class. Um, but the the family members who travelled with him were staying there, and like I said, some of the temple members were also there um, to keep a lid on things. Also, there was the basketball team. So obviously, the basketball team was there to play the national side. And the congressman walked into the headquarters and said, we're going in, we're going into Jonestown, we want to come in. Um, to which is basically, well, you don't need to go in, why do you need to go in? Obviously, the congressman doesn't agree, and tempers flare a little bit, and then all of a sudden, Jim Jones comes on the radio, saying that he wants to speak to his son. Now, his son is obviously there for the basketball, and probably doesn't realise too much what Jim wants. Now, Jim orders him and the basketball team to return to Jonestown, to which his son does probably what any son would do in this instance, and go, but I don't want to, I want to carry on playing. I know I would have been the same, I I want to play. Um, And that's kind of how it was left um the record says that jim jones was very unhappy with this but you know what are you gonna do his son said no he said yes um unfortunately for jim jones his son and the basketball team stayed to play the national squad the day after now the reason this caused so many problems was because everything that was going on Jim was getting feedback through this two-way radio or radio system, whatever it was. Um, So he knew when the congressman walked into that building. He knew everything the congressman said while he was in that building. And he panicked. And when he panicked, he wanted everybody back at Jonestown where he could control them, where he could keep an eye on the situation. At the end of the day, he was... He he was a, a maniac. He needed. He was a complete control freak, and the problem he had was, all of a sudden, there's something going on in Georgetown, and he's not there. He doesn't know what's going on, and he can't control the situation. And not only can he not control the situation, his son is there, and therefore, he really is losing complete control, and he needs his son back. So he can regain a little bit more control over the temple. Um, but this isn't going to happen. So so at first, Jim Jones sort of knuckled under and, and decided, yeah, okay, they they can come in. Um, and then he backtracked. He backtracked and said, no, I don't want them in. I don't, they're not coming into Jonestown. They're not coming in. Point blank, refused. Um, but with the pressure of the congressman and the pressure of what was going on, uh, he he had to back down. He had to let them in. And on Friday the 17th uh, of November, they were allowed to fly into Jonestown. Now, you've got to remember, because you have, I'm assuming some of you guys may have seen the footage, can still see the NBC footage uh, from Jonestown. And it basically shows people giving really high praise and 
how much they love it there and how they don't want to return to the States and how amazing it is to live in a paradise like Jonestown. Um, However, from the members who were there, who who managed to get out of Jonestown, um, they said that this was all rehearsed. They were lined up in a line every single one of them was asked a different question um and they were they had to answer the question and if they answered it slightly wrong he would then tell them what they needed to say um he needed you know some of them would say things like um they don't like the states and he would turn around and say no you can't say that um you can't be anti-american because then it looks like you're pro-soviet and at the this time there were you know there was the the cold war was going on or had finished but obviously america was very anti-communist and obviously they these guys were socialists so i mean socialism and communism run a very fine line um in in certain aspects you know socialism is seen as sort of like the gateway into communism um and they the fear was if they gave off too many communist style vibes then the US government would you know they'd, they'd storm the place um so they were told not to be anti-american they were told to say you know it's okay uh, we like the states uh, and it's fine for people who want to live there but it's just not for me that sort of thing it's i I prefer living here and you know all this propaganda that they were told all these lies that they were fed and that they had to say to the media um you know they had to spend the the day beforehand decorating and repainting all the sheds and the houses and it was like um we would say in England like if uh, if I walk into someone's house and they've really tidied up and it's really clean and immaculate oh so are you having the the queen over for tea um it was that sort of an attitude because they were being looked at under a microscope uh the queen was coming for tea they had to make everything clean and tidy and and look like the paradise that they were claiming that it was when the congressman landed and i say landed because they had to fly from georgetown into jonestown now i know it's only 150 miles um you know maybe a two hour drive or two and a half hour drive but there's no accessible roads the they had to fly in and when they got there the you realize or they realized basically how inaccessible this area was and how virtually impossible it would be for any of the members to to leave you know this is it's quite a scary thought now when the trucks pulled up to the airstrip just outside of jonestown to pick them up at first they were told that only the jonestown lawyer was allowed to go in nobody else was allowed to go in the congressman obviously turned around and said bollocks basically we're going in and it was discussed that only the congressman his aide and the lawyer were allowed to go into Jonestown and the congressman specifically said to the family members that were left and the the reporters do not attempt to come into Jonestown you know we'll deal with this but do not attempt anything stupid Uh, we're vastly outnumbered here we're in the middle of nowhere basically just sit here and wait 
and that's what they did. Uh, after maybe 20 minutes or so, another van turned up and collected the rest of them. And they all went in. So whether that was done as a fear tactic to put the people on edge, whether that was done intentionally or whether Jim Jones just changed his mind last minute and said, all right, fine, sod it, we'll let them all in, uh, we'll never know. But that is, that's how the events happened. Jim Jones put on a bit of a spectacle for these guys when they arrived. Um, bit of music, bit of dancing, bit of a show. He spoke to the congressman, um, used his charisma and his, uh, you know, his, the way he speaks to people and, and his personality to try and come across as the most genuine guy possible. And there was a gentleman who was part of the People's Temple who wanted to leave. Now, he had a four-year-old son who was also there and decided to leave his son and try and leave on his own. And the reason for that is basically what he said was, this was an interview done after the time, um, and he said the, the reason he did that was because he didn't, he wanted to leave and he didn't feel that he was going to be able to get his son out purely on the basis that his son was potentially going to grass on him you know and then the thing is you know even a four-year-old knows what's right and what's wrong to an extent and these kids were brainwashed to the point that even if his dad had turned around and said look son we're getting out of here tomorrow that kid would have gone well that's wrong dad we shouldn't be doing that and then go and tell someone and then this guy would have would have would have been killed so he passed a note to one of the uh, journalists that were there on a basis that he wanted to leave when the congressman spoke to him later in the evening he said yes I do want to leave but uh, I don't think we should wait till tomorrow morning and the congressman said it's fine we're going tomorrow don't worry about it and that was it you know that was that was this is a story um that I've heard after the fact um and that was that was the plan there was a, a maybe two or three of them that actually wanted to leave and were planning to leave the following morning when the following day came round uh, this this man uh, his name was Vernon Gosney um his he was told to sign a piece of paper that said he was going to leave his son in the care of Jonestown now You've got to remember at this point in time he did not know the next step of the story um, and a lot of people had they have known that that was the next step of the story probably would have left as well and as the next morning was there they, the congressman was slowly finding out there was more and more people that actually wanted to leave um, and they got roughly about 10 to 12 people who said you know, we want we want to go. We we want to leave with you on this plane. And Jim Jones could see everything was unraveling in front of him. These were twelve people who had the courage to stand up and say, We want to go. They were not the only twelve. There would have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds that wanted to leave but didn't have the courage and this is 
a thing in human society that we all fall trapped to and that is it's better the devil you know let's put it that way you 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 follow what you do because that is what you're used to and these guys were used to what was going on and were also fucking petrified of coming forwards and saying they wanted to leave now whilst the defectors were being loaded into the truck to go back to the air airstrip I suppose not really an airport back to the airstrip the congressman stayed behind to have a little chat with Jim and to basically let him know that Congress wasn't going to shut him down um, you know he had nearly a thousand people there and there was only about 15 people that wanted to leave he said now if 400 500 had wanted to leave we'd be having a different conversation but as far as he was concerned 15 people out of a thousand really isn't a big deal and congress was not going to be looking into it very much further unfortunately for the people's temple in this discussion a man decided to put a knife to the throat of the congressman and basically attempt to kill him this was thwarted and the congressman very quickly got out of there got on the truck and left and this is where things get a little bit more sinister the congressman and the defectors got to the airstrip and when they got to the airstrip there was a group of men on the runway just waiting for them and a few handful of people boarded onto a smaller aircraft there were now two aircraft there because the congressman had ordered another small aircraft because obviously they had more people traveling with them some people got on the small aircraft and that took off as that took off the men who were on the airstrip pulled out guns and started shooting at the remaining passengers on the slightly larger aircraft and the congressman was shot he actually died at the scene and his assistant jackie spear was shot five times um, but somehow managed to survive um, the rest of them fled off into the jungle now whilst this was happening back at jonestown uh, jim had managed to mix a concoction of cyanide with they call it a fruit flavored drink um we don't know whether it was kool-aid or not but um that's where the the little thing i put on facebook was don't drink the kool-aid because that is this is where that saying comes from um basically when the news had got back to jim that they had killed the congressman they knew that the u.s government was going to be looking into this very very seriously and possibly you know annihilate the entire village and let's be honest that probably wouldn't have been a bad idea the problem you have is in a cult like this jim had complete power and the only way to keep his power was to orchestrate this mass murder suicide and a lot of the people were forced to take this drink some drunk it willingly and all in all um it actually killed 909 people um died that day uh, from drinking this this liquid cyanide and it was basically the biggest 
killing of American people um, in a in a form of terrorism attack uh, up until nine eleven, it was you know it was unbelievable how something like this could happen and right under the Americans' nose because you've got to remember the the government were looking into Jim Jones and the People's Temple for for almost a year plus before this actually happened they knew something was going to happen they knew something wasn't right um and only a handful of people actually managed to survive one of the the survivors from jonestown was actually um jim jones's son stephen jones and he he's actually done a documentary on it um so for anyone who gets a chance to watch that it's it's really really good um obviously he wasn't aware of what was happening because he was playing basketball at the time um and i suppose that's how he's not not connected to to the murders really but um yeah there was jim jones included um 909 deaths in jonestown on that saturday in november 1978 um absolutely amazing story amazing part of history um not the nicest story i will admit um but for someone like me this is something i i love these types of stories um because they're gritty there's something to get your teeth into and this was definitely an episode that i enjoyed researching and judging by some of the comments on facebook to the picture I think it's one that you guys have kind of looked forward to since I put the picture up because it is something a little bit different, a little bit, like I said, it's it's gritty. It's something that is, you know, different to what I normally do. Um, so let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Um, for those of you who don't know um, the Jonestown Massacre, you can see it. Uh, there are pictures, air photos of what looks like basically just bits of paper all over the floor um, or bits of coloured clothing all over the floor and then when you actually look closer you realise that they're actually bodies Um, it is quite a gruesome picture and there's a reason why I didn't put that picture on Facebook that's why I went with the picture of Jim Jones rather than the aerial shot of, of all the dead bodies um so if you if you are interested have a look on that. Now next week we have a new episode that will feature my father again another new episode with a, a new special guest. Um the recording quality of it will not be as good because it is going through a mobile phone rather than a microphone. So I hope you do bear with me, but uh, because of lockdown, uh, we've had to come up with a different way to record it, and my dad has been biting at the bit to get this one done because he's researched it and he spent so much time researching it, it's just sat there and he's like, when can we do it, when can we do it, when can we do it, and he's found a way finally to record on his Audacity, uh, which is the um, system I use for recording podcasts, he's recording it on his end and uh, going to send it to me 
for upload. So look forward to that one. That will be a really, really good episode. And that will be coming to you next week. I will be putting a picture up for that. And we shall also be recording next week the new Patreon episode. Now, if you're not on Patreon, you'll, this one is, is amazing. This is a really, really fun episode that I've, uh, I've researched. Again, very similar to this one. It's really gruesome, really gory, and there is a lot of detail in that one. So it may be a slightly longer episode. Um, but it is worth, uh, getting onto Patreon and having a look. Um, I can't honestly believe no one's received any fridge magnets yet. So if you are on Patreon and you have received it, post a picture onto the group. Let us, uh, let us see it on your fridge, pride of place. Um, for those of you who aren't on Patreon and do want to get on there, uh, I will send you out a fridge magnet as well when you get onto Patreon. You just drop us your address and I shall get one sent out. So I do need to order some more. So you may have to bear with us a couple of, uh, couple of days but let me know um get yourselves onto patreon i think it's five dollars a month um and it it goes to supporting the show and keeping me keeping me going with uh, all the recordings and things like that that i know you guys love and enjoy um if you haven't left me a any feedback and you do want to do so you can leave me feedback on facebook you can leave me feedback on itunes you can leave me feedback through email, which is twihpod at gmail.com. Any feedback you leave me, I will read out in the next show. And that will be it from me this week. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And just remember, guys, we all have history. So make yours great. Bye-bye. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Other banks go out of their way to make redeeming credit card rewards needlessly complicated. Like how they require minimums or force you to use your rewards before reaching some arbitrary expiration date. But Discover isn't like that. With Discover, you can redeem your rewards for cash in any amount, at any time. So you'll never have to jump through hoops. Unless you're like a trapezist, then by all means, go right ahead. Learn more at discover.com slash redeem rewards. Terms apply. Bundling car and renter's insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? Look for the signs. Chances are they live in a home and have a car. They use money and enjoy having more of it. They probably drink lots of lemonade. Mmm, lemonade. And they've probably said something suspicious like, I'm bundling with GEICO or stop spying on me with those binoculars. If so, you may want to ask them how easy it was to bundle with GEICO. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors.